Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 12 of the categories, Aristotle is going to explore what he tells us at the beginning are four distinct senses to the term prior, this comparative term saying one thing is prior in relation to another. As we're going to see by the end, he does a typical move for Aristotle, which is to say, upon consideration, there's actually five. So we've got an extra one in here that we'll discuss as well. But he, he lays it out originally in terms of four main meanings. And the first meaning is in his view, the closest to the core of the, the term, he says that it is the primary or the most primary meaning. And by the time that we get down to the bottom, he's seeing we're really stretching the term in some respects. He attributes this to the common people and the way that they talk about things, but he will explore it anyway. So the first type of priority where we've got one thing being prior to another, he says, is one thing is, is older or one thing is more ancient. The Greek terms here are presbuteron, you know, older was the word that we actually get elder or presbyter from, and palaioteron is a comparative term, more ancient, closer to the origin, right? So we can talk about things being more ancient than others. So Aristotle, you know, for example, is ancient literature or ancient philosophy by comparison to, say, Descartes or by comparison to a contemporary philosopher like Alistair McIntyre, right? Descartes would be older or more prior than McIntyre would as well. We can set them out like that. We can say that I am older than most of my students. We can even reverse this and say, well, I run into a student who's 80 years old. That student is older than me. Aristotle thinks that this is the most proper sense of the term. But then we get other things as well. And now it starts to get more interesting, I think. He says, when the order of being cannot be reversed, and this cannot be reversed, is actually translating an interesting Greek term, me antistrephon. Antistrophe is when we have, you know, in poetry or in singing, things opposed to each other. Aristotle will also use this term antistrephon to say that rhetoric is a, a counterpart or an antistrophe to dialectic. There's a big discussion in his book, The Rhetoric, about exactly what that means. So when there's the possibility of, of sort of reversing this or, or responding to it, he says, in some cases, in the order of being, toenai, that's the word to be in Greek, when that can't be reversed at all, when one thing following the other, then one thing really is prior to the other. And he uses a mathematical example. He says, when it comes to numbers, one is prior to two. And it's not just that, you know, when you were a kid, you learned one, two, three, or anything like that. There's a priority that is a conceptual or, or a metaphysical priority to oneness, to unity, as opposed to duality or two-ness, or however you want to put it, right? So you can think one without thinking two is one way you can put it, but you can't have two without one. So he says, provided it is that two exists, it follows that one must exist. This is what he's talking about as a relationship in, in terms of being. The existence of one, on the contrary, does not imply that of two. I mean, it'd be hard to see what kind of number system you
you could have without without two. But we could think about this in terms of other numbers. One is prior to 638. You can do a lot in numbers without getting to 638, right? But you can't have 638 without one or indeed without the other numbers before it. So there's a priority there as well. So he says, thus of two things, we call that one prior, which proceeds in irreversible sequence. So that's a sense of the term that's kind of close to this, this other one, right? And then he brings up, now we're getting a little bit looser, in any ordering, he says, in any toxis. Toxin is just the accusative form of the word toxis, which means an arrangement or ordering. And here he gives examples drawn from his own experience of sciences and speeches. Let's start with the speeches part first. When people are arranging a composition for public speaking, they're putting things into a kind of order. And Aristotle thinks, and he's actually more or less right on this, that you're not going to be a very effective speaker if you just get up and start jumbling words together and, you know, hope that people get the idea. No, it's better if you arrange them. So for example, a speech should have something like an introduction. Sometimes they call this an exordium, but it should have an introduction. And then there should be the body of the speech. And then there should be some sort of conclusion to the speech so that you're not just standing there going, well, uh, that's all folks. (laughs) That's not really a conclusion. You want to like have an action item or something like that. So Aristotle's saying understood in this sense, one thing is prior to another, like in good speech writing. So what about in the sciences? Here he, he uses an example. And remember, Aristotle was not only an investigator, but also a teacher. He says, in sciences using demonstration, we have what is prior in its order and what is per contra posterior. That is one thing is brought up first and we're going to lead the student or lead the other person who we're trying to demonstrate something to, to what is posterior. We're going to begin, for example, from starting points that people can agree to or from ideas that seem simpler. And then we're going to work into conclusions that they might not have accepted right off the bat, but given those starting points, we can, we can lead them to that. So, you know, he says, for example, in geometry, what do we start with? Points, lines, things that we call elements. And then we move on to propositions or problems. So we go from the simpler or the easier to grasp or the more evident to the the more complex, the less evident, the harder to grasp. That is an order. So we say some things are prior, other things are posterior. Notice we're not saying that necessarily those things that are prior came first in time. We're not actually saying that they are required by the very nature of their being. Sometimes these can coincide, but sometimes we might have an arrangement of being where one thing is prior, but we actually talk about things in a way that reverses that priority. He also gives the example of words and syllables and letters. We begin from the simpler things, combine them. The simpler things in this case are actually prior. We combine them into syllables. That actually sounds a bit more like this order of being. So there could be a little confusion there. In the fourth type, he says, this is something that the common people speaking about who they hold in esteem or affection, this is the way they talk, but this is a very strange, he says, strange use. He calls it allotriotatos, you know, the most foreign way, the, the weirdest way of talking about this. But it does make sense. When we talk about having affection or esteem or giving somebody honor, we are in a certain sense putting them first, 
we are making them prior. So if you honor your parents or grandparents or the founders of your club or university or whatever, you're making them prior. They could also come before you in time, but that is not necessarily the case. So sometimes priority means something like this. And Aristotle says we have those people first in our hearts as an example. Then he goes on and there's a long discussion of a fifth kind. He says, these are, I think, the four distinct senses in which we may use the term prior, but another might seem to exist beyond those we've already mentioned. What would this other be? So he starts getting into some interesting technical terms here. He says, in the case of two things where the existence of either implies or necessitates the other, that thing which is somehow the cause, and here he uses the term cause, hytion. This is very important. He's talking here about something that ties in with his conception of causality. One thing, by being the cause in whatever way of the other, one thing whose being necessitates or applies the being of the other is prior to it. Look at the example that he uses here. This is a very interesting one. Instead of saying things having to do with what we call efficient causality, like, you know, well, the maker is prior to the made thing, or the form is prior to the thing itself, or the end that it's seeking in final causality. No, he talks here about something else. He says, such cases can clearly be found. The existence of a man, for example, necessitates the truth of the statement wherein we assert his existence. The converse is also the case. If he exists, then the statement asserting the fact will be true. If the statement conversely is true, then the man referred to must exist. But the true statement is not the cause of the man's existing. Rather, the existing is the cause of the true statement. So the person existing is prior in this sense to the statement about them existing or the statement being true about them existing. This takes a little bit of wrapping your head around. And you might say, well, doesn't that fall into this thing right here, the order of being? This has to do more with sequence. There's an argument that could be made that we could roll this into the second kind, but Aristotle, by the end of this section says, so we can conclude there are really five senses. <laughs> we started with four and we wound up with five. We, we picked up an extra along the way. But this is the way that philosophical thinking about complex topics really works. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.